Good afternoon. You are listening to The Scoop on CFRC 101.9 FM, CFRC.ca, and via podcast on Spotify and iTunes. Brought to you by our news team, Alexandra Fernandez, Chancellor Miracle, Chris Laurie, Zayden Vergara, Dinah Jansen, Erica Singh, Alex LaRue, and me, Kareem Mosna. This just announced on January 19th, 2023, Sustainable Kingston, along with the city, will host the 2023 Kingston Climate Change Symposium, featuring an all-star lineup of speakers, including former Minister of the Environment and Climate Change, the Honorable Catherine McKenna, to deliver a keynote, uh, CBC broadcaster Ali Hassan, the Executive Director of Foodshare Toronto, Paul Taylor, will also be part of this year's lineup. It's a free virtual event held over Zoom. For more information, you can visit the city's website. In an effort to continue to cool inflation, the Bank of Canada recently raised interest rates by half a percent to 3.75%. Now that's the sixth interest rate hike this year. Is the strategy working to cool inflation? What will this mean for the economy? To answer these questions, I spoke with Queen's University economics professor, Mr. Gregor Smith. We're here to talk about now how the sixth time this year the Bank of Canada has raised interest rates up another half a percent. Talk to me a little bit about um, where this this is all. So I understand this is all, of course, to help slow uh, some of the the record inflation that we've been seeing. Uh, How are things going in in, in that effort? Actually, reasonably well. So if typically when the inflation rate is reported, it's the rate of change over the past year. And, and those are the numbers that are still a little bit scary and well above the Bank of Canada's target. But if you look over sort of the more recent two months or three months, the, those numbers are lower for inflation. And so that suggests that eventually the 12 month rate, which gets all the headlines will, will come down as well. So, so there actually are a few encouraging signs that uh, that the inflation rate will come down. And, and that means that these interest rate increases will, will likely come to an end. I uh, spoke with somebody, uh, again, another expert on this back in the summer. And at that time, we were looking at 8% inflation. And I believe the latest figure I saw was down around 6.9%. Yeah, so that's, that's a start. However, this is still, of course, a long way above the target which is a range from 1% to 3%, and ideally in the middle of that at 2%. And historically, the Bank of Canada has had a, a very good track record of, uh, of being in that zone. And so there, there's obviously still a long way to go to get back there. And, but, but in general, in terms of correlation, are we seeing that these, uh, these interest rate hikes, are, are these, these are, are heading us in the right direction as we uh, wrap up this year? It's hard to tell. Uh, it's hard to tell, but I think all the historical evidence and evidence about what's happening in other countries all points in that direction. So, for example, I, I mean, we, we'll, we won't know for sure what would be happening now if the Bank of Canada hadn't started raising interest rates. We assume that inflation would be even higher and more persistent. But uh, if you look at Europe, for example, they've been, they've been uh, slower to tighten monetary policy and raise interest rates, and they have even higher inflation. And so, so that, just that example, along with the historical record, suggests that, that this uh, medicine is starting to have some effect. Yeah. 
I understand that with these these rate hikes, there is some concern in the air, uh, some some talk uh, regarding possible recessions uh, coming in the future. A- any thoughts on this? Yeah, so that that's always a concern when when monetary policy gets tighter and interest rates rise. And there's certainly examples from other countries and from Canadian history in the early 80s and then in the early 90s, where tightening monetary policy with the goal of trying to reduce inflation may have very well contributed to to a recession. Having said that, it, it's uh, it's very challenging, and a lot of people are talking about the possibility of a recession in Canada in 2023. Having said that, it's it's very challenging to forecast these things, partly because recessions happen so rarely. So, unlike weather forecasting, we don't get the opportunity to fine tune our predictions every week. Um, you know, I mean, we just we don't have recessions very often, and they're often a little bit different. So. So predicting them is challenging, um, but certainly uh, there's a risk, as your question suggests, that that uh, this effort to reduce inflation by raising interest rates will lead to a recession. There's no doubt it will slow down the growth of the economy, and I think that's also already happening. Whether it actually causes a recession is another question. In terms of slowing down the rate of the economy, where, where are we seeing some, some signs of this? So in uh, overall GDP, the growth rate is coming down and as reported by Statistics Canada and the Bank of Canada, I think is forecasting GDP growth of only about 1% for 2023. So even if that's not a recession, uh, it's certainly going to be slower than the growth in the economy over the last couple of years. And then that shows up in, in a few different sectors. One is uh, uh, building new houses and, uh, and other structures. Uh, the, the housing sector um, and construction sector generally uh, is slower. Um, so, that, so that's an example of a sector that's sensitive to these interest rate increases. And so... Um, so that's one of the things that, that uh, may be contributing to, to uh, slower GDP growth. Well, that's a great concrete example of how interest rate hikes can affect economic growth, which is, as you mentioned, with regards maybe to building homes, perhaps uh, interest rate hikes might discourage people from, from, from buying a new home in that regard. Well, so for, for certainly for construction, I think we know, and in fact, Kareem, for any any investment project that that someone is starting, whether it's uh, uh, you know opening a restaurant or anything they're borrowing money for, starting a small business, higher interest rates may may discourage that investment just a little bit, discourage them from buying equipment, for example. The the housing purchases thing is a little trickier. It's, it's one of these, on the one hand, on the other hand, situations that economics is notorious for. On the one hand, higher interest rates mean higher mortgage payments, of course. On the other hand, that, that tends to lead to lower house prices, uh, simply because there aren't that many people getting into bidding wars for, for, for houses. And so depending on 
someone's situation, that could actually improve their access to housing. That the effect of cooling off house prices uh, may, may at least partly offset the effect of higher mortgage interest rates. Excellent. Well, thank you for that explanation. So in a sense, perhaps it might discourage, yes, someone from maybe starting a, a new business in that regard, but I could see how it, it, could, it can help with, 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 with cooling the market as well. Yeah, no, I think that certainly already happened over the last six or eight months in a lot of housing markets in Canada. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Uh, you know, as, as we look ahead, uh, do, do, do you foresee some more potential interest rate hikes coming in the next few months? I think it's pretty clear that there will be several more rounds. How large they are and how long into 2023 they continue is a bit uncertain, and it'll depend on what happens with inflation. But yeah, I think that's a pretty safe bet. Um, most central banks, including the Bank of Canada and, and the U.S. Federal Reserve, um, do these things gradually. And so there's, uh, and there's a lot of predictability to this. Uh, how exactly when it ends and how high it goes is unknown, but the direction is pretty clear that there will be some more interest rate increases until inflation comes down substantially. Thank you very much for sharing your perspective on this. Thanks for your time, Chris. Queen's University economics professor, Mr. Greider Smith, weighing in on the recent interest rate hike and where we are with inflation and economic growth. Now for some campus news, over to Zayden and Erica here on CFRC, this is The Stoop. Hello and welcome to Campus Corner. My name is Erica Singh and here are your campus news headlines for today. This past weekend, Queen's University hosted its first in-person homecoming since 2019. Over 2,700 alumni attended the event. This year, graduating classes ending in two or seven participated in the homecoming celebrations, such as the many faculty and sporting events. The celebrations officially ended at Richardson Stadium yesterday afternoon when the Queen's women's soccer team faced off against the Nipissing Lakers. This past week has been a hard one for the Jewish community at Queen's University and around the world. Principal Patrick Dean released a statement on October 26th condemning the anti-Semitic imagery and statements popping up around campus. Principal Dean reiterated the consequences for pushing such harmful messages as the campus team will not hesitate to investigate and take action. The principal then clearly stated that there is no place at Queen's for anti-Semitism, hate, or violence against any members of the community. Principal Dean urges you to reach out to supports on campus if you have witnessed or been on the receiving end of hate on campus to ensure that Queen's University remains a safe and welcoming community for everyone. In other news, last week, celebrations were held for the launch of the new Black Studies program at Queen's University. The inauguration of Black Studies marks a new chapter in the university's Faculty of Arts and Science, as work in the Black Studies field has been ongoing for years, but it has not been formally recognized by the institution until now. The event at the Agnes Etherington Art Center brought together many faculty, staff, students, and community members who all contributed many years to this end result. The event opened with congratulatory speeches, which were followed with an interactive reading of a collection of spoken word poems from Lillian Allen. 
After the poetry reading, Rachel Goff moderated a panel discussion on the past, present, and future of Black studies at Queens. The panel touched on topics such as geography, the community outside of Queens, their personal history, and what they thought led to the inauguration of the program. Day two of the event of the Agnes featured a presentation of Black Studies Is and a conversation about new books and research in Black Studies. For more information on the Black Studies program, please visit the Black Studies website at queensu.ca-gnds-undergraduate-black-studies. That's all the headlines for this week. Now over to Zayden Bergara with sports. Good evening, my name is Zayden Bergara and it's time for your CFRC Sports Update. OUA playoffs are in full swing and the Queens Golden Gales are giving it their all. On October 28th, the women's rugby team remained undefeated in their OUA championship game against the Guelph Griffins. It was a close game through most of the first half with Guelph leading 12-7 until OUA Rookie of the Year Maddie Donnelly and Maggie Banks with their second of the game gave Queens a 21-12 lead. The second half ended with a 29-24 Gales victory. The Gales are now scheduled to play against the Victoria Bikes at the U Sports Women's Rugby Championship hosted by the University of Victoria from November 2nd to the 6th. The men's rugby team are eagerly awaiting their OUA semifinals matchup against the Laurier Golden Hawks on November 5th on Nixon Field. The men's rugby team finished their season against the Hawks winning 52-31 to capture an undefeated season. The Queen's men's cross country captured the silver medal at the cross country championship. They had a total of 51 points. 31 points behind the first place finishers McMaster Marauders. Mitch Kirby finished fourth in the eight kilometer race with a time of 24 minutes and 53 seconds and close behind in fifth place was Roman Mirnov with 24 minutes and 55 seconds. And of course, it was homecoming weekend for Queen's University. The football team had their OUA quarterfinal match against the University of Toronto Varsity Blues. Here are some highlights from head coach Steve Snyder's press release before the game. Coach, talk Toronto. Yeah, um, you know what? Really solid opponent. I think uh, you know we had a lot of respect for their performance when we played them earlier in the year, which seems like a long, long time ago now. But they've actually had a, put together a really solid season and uh, won some big games. In particular, the last one of the regular season that was you know win they're in type of scenario. Yeah, we're gonna have to play our best football and you know be prepared for all the unique things they do and some things that they haven't shown yet that they may do as well. So just kind of trying to stay ahead from a preparation perspective. And then making sure our guys are loose and go out and just uh, enjoy playing at Richardson Stadium against a rival and, um, and go out and play our best football. Coach, uh, homecoming weekend, always a big one for Queens. How excited are the uh, players? Really unique, you know, to have in the playoffs, but I think that's uh, actually plays to our advantage a little bit. It should be a lot of fun for everybody. Coach Snyder and the football team did not disappoint, giving the homecoming crowd a fun and entertaining match. The Varsity Blues kept it close for the first three quarters until a huge 70-yard touchdown run by Jared Chisari gave the football team a 14-point lead they would not relinquish. If you missed the action here, commentators Jesse Bell and Jordan Dax reacting live to the action. Checking the play at the line of scrimmage, moving up to his center, moving up to his center, obviously adjusting, seeing the pass rush that's coming. They handed off Jared Kasari. Oh, and Kasari is breaking one loose. He's still on his feet. He's at the 30, the 20, the 15, the 10. Touchdown! Jared 
with an unbelievable run. Electric Richardson Stadium is on its feet. Stand up and celebrate for your Queens Gales. Are you kidding me? Jared Kasari, what a game he's had. And that's the best run of his career in a huge moment. The game had an absolutely electric atmosphere and the Gales continued to add 14 points in the final quarter, resulting in the 21st consecutive head-to-head -head win over the Varsity Blues, 41 to 13. The Gales now move on to their OUA semifinal matchup hosting the Ottawa GGs Saturday, November 5th at 1 p.m. at Richardson Stadium. If you can't make it, be sure to tune in for live coverage here on CFRC from Jesse and Jordan. On that note, that's all for your sports coverage. Now over to Chris and Chancellor with a community update. Thank you, Zayden. Today I spoke with John Rose, who is on the board of directors for the Kingston Workers History Project to ask him about the newly founded organization's efforts to highlight historical moments in workers' history in Kingston. I would just like to say uh, thank you for coming on to CFRC today, John. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And, and John, you work for the Kingston Workers History Project, and I was just wondering if you could tell the audience a little bit about what the Kingston Workers History Project is. Sure. So we're a nonprofit uh, organization. We're basically a few historians or historically minded people who came together to uh, try and create an organization that can help preserve and uh, uh, promote workers' history and things. And what that really means is, you know, kind of histories that may have been obfuscated or avoided uh, around workers' struggles, workers' action, um, union action, and, and non-organized, uh, non-unionized workers' action. The history of the region. Our goal is to kind of dig into archives and find some histories that people may not be aware of to sort of show what workers have been up to over the last uh, number of decades, really. Right, right. Kingston does have quite the history of unionization efforts. Could you tell us a few of the ones that you've highlighted recently? Sure. So one of our uh, one of the folks we work with here is a local historian called Doug Nesbitt, and we just did a an event recently at the RCHA where he talked about two big kind of events in, in workers' history in Kingston. One was the unemployed invasion of City Hall during the Depression in the 30s. There were a group of workers who were, were really angry about the fact that there were no jobs. And to make a very long story short, they invaded City Hall and, uh, and, and sort of held a, a protest there. Um, and so that's a really big one that I think a lot of people don't know about, that you know workers occupied that space. Um, and then he connected that basically with the of action, which were the massive union protests during the Mike Harris years, which is very pertinent to right now with what's going on with, with Ford and, and uh, his, uh, his labor legislation. Yeah, for sure. So, so how do you think uh, the Kingston Workers History Project is going to go about uh, meeting their goals of letting people know about these, uh, these events? Is it, is it mostly going to be in-person free lectures for the community, or is there other things that you guys will be doing? Yeah, thanks for asking that. We're a brand new organization, so right now we're kind of brainstorming uh, what approach we want to take. So we started with a talk. Uh, next up, we've got some ideas about kind of video content on social media just to bring these histories to people. We're going to write articles. We've already started writing articles on our website, kingstonworkershistory.ca. And then we've got ideas for like a, an alternative work, working history tour of Kingston as well to bring people around to spots and 
have conversations with people, not just tourists, but but uh, locals too, about different locations. We really want to make space uh, an issue, a uh, kind of center point here too, talking about what the spaces around town mean for the history and organizing and the worker struggles. So the tours, I think, are something coming up. Yeah, for sure, especially since uh, Kingston is such a, a tourist-heavy region. My last question to you then, how would somebody get involved if they were looking to maybe get in touch with the organization or if they want to lend a helping hand in any way they could? Is there a way for people to be involved in the Kingston Workers History Project? Absolutely. So I would say there's a few ways. One is to visit our website, kingstonworkershistory.ca. You can hit us up on Instagram at, at Kingston Workers History. And then we have an email, kingstonworkershistory at gmail.com. So basically, Kingston Workers History is our, our big tagline. There. So uh, anything to do with that, please check us out, talk to us. We're, we're really looking for people to join the organization and be a part of it. And, uh, we're coming off of a really solid uh, event a couple weeks ago at the RCHA, so we're hoping we can just keep building momentum and and if you're if you're interested in digging into history too and doing archival research, wow, we'd love some help with that kind of thing. Well, thank you so much for joining us, John. Hey, thanks a lot. That was my interview with John Rose of the Kingston Workers History Project. You can find out more about them at kingstonworkershistory.ca, and they also have an Instagram page that you can look up, Kingston Workers History. Now over to Dinah with the weather. Thank you so much. And now it's time for CFRC's weather report. Tonight, we're expecting clear skies with fog patches developing overnight and a low of 7. On Thursday, November 3rd, we'll see sunny skies with fog patches dissipating in the morning, winds south at 20, gusting to 40, becoming light in the afternoon, and a high of 14. On Thursday night, we'll see clear skies and a low of 9. Friday, we'll see sunny skies and a high of 17. And Friday night, cloudy periods with a low of 10. The outlook for Saturday will be a mix of sun and cloud with a high of 20, and at night, cloudy with a low of 12, and Sunday, we'll see cloudy skies with a 40% chance of showers and a high of 15, and Sunday night, we'll see cloudy periods with a low of 7. And now it's over to Alexandra Fernandez with the City of Kingston Traffic Report. Thank you so much, and I am here, Alexandra Fernandez, with your weekly traffic report brought to you by the City of Kingston. Arch Street from Union to Stewart Street will be closed on October 31st, today, at 7 a.m. to November 4th at 6 p.m. Garrett Street from Division to University will be closed until November 20th. Lower Brewer Swing Bridge will be closed until further notice. Princess Street from Division to Ontario will be closed November 2nd and 3rd from 7 p.m. to 11.59 p.m. Ontario Street from Brock to Clarence will also be closed on November 2nd and 3rd from 7 p.m. onwards to 11.59 p.m. Stevens Street from Cowdy to Montreal will be closed as of Tuesday, November 1st from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. Stevens Street from Montreal to Patrick will be closed until October 31st. And Stevens Street also from Patrick to Cowdy will be closed until October 31st. University Avenue from Union to Earl will be closed until January 21st, 2023 at 7 p.m. And Wright Crescent from the south intersection of Palace to 16 Palace will be closed until January 31st, 2023. The following streets are closed from 8.40 a.m. to 9.10 a.m. and 3.20 p.m. to 3.50 p.m. on weekdays until June 29, 2023. McDonnell Street from Earl to Hill and Sydenham Street from Ordnance to Colburn. 
Above-ground electrical work is taking place at the Ascot and John Counter Boulevard intersection due to the third crossing road work on Highway 15 at Gore. In the case that a lane needs to be closed for construction, proper flagging will be in place to direct traffic, otherwise both lanes will be open. An additional left-turn lane on the west side of the John Counter Boulevard and Montreal Street intersection will be open. In-water rock causeway removal will continue and there will be an increase in dump truck traffic on the west side until completion in December. Access from John Counter to the village on the River Apartments is currently shut down. Residents have been notified to use their Montreal Street access during this temporary closure to John Counter. Pedestrians will be able to use the temporary access path north of John Counter Boulevard which will be maintained at all times and cyclists will be single file on JCB. Some other delays that you may expect. Jackson Mills Road near the KMP Trail will be reduced to one lane for roadside safety improvements, but remains open in both directions. Montreal Road at Stephen, you can expect a lane closure on Tuesday, November 1st from 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. for paving. And Sand Hill Road city limits to 5 kilometers west of city limits. Expect delays until November 16th as crews will be working on completing culvert replacing. Now we're going to throw it over to Dinah for our weekly events calendar. Thanks so much, and now it's time for the CFRC Community Events Calendar, brought to you by queensevents.ca. CFRC's Shortwave Theatre Festival, in partnership with Cellar Door Project, runs on CFRC 101.9 FM and CFRC.ca November 1st through November 6th. Learn more about the radio theatre plays, schedules, and about the cast and crew at shortwavetheatre.com. This event is free all week long. Shortlisted for the 2022 Polaris Prize in Music, Canadian singer-songwriter Kelly McMichael is coming to Kingston this Friday, November 4th to perform at the Grad Club, a 19-plus show. This concert is open to the public and you can get tickets online from Eventbrite. The African and Caribbean Students Association at Queen's University is hosting a Caravana theme night on Friday, November 4th at the Ale House. You can expect a night of soca, dance hall, Afrobeats, and hip-hop, plus flashy costumes. You can buy tickets at the door to the event, which is open only to those who are 19+. plus. Do you have the know-how to make Kingston a better place? The City of Kingston is calling for applications for community members to sit on its various municipal advisory committees, boards, and commissions. Applications are being accepted between October 31st and November 11th. Visit cityofkingston.ca slash committees to learn more about each committee and how to submit an application. And don't forget that on Sunday, November 6th, the clocks fall back at 2 a.m. so you can get an extra hour of sleep. Learn more about all events happening on campus and in Kingston at queensevents.ca. And that's a wrap for the events calendar and our program today. Don't forget to subscribe to The Scoop and Today in YGK podcasts via Spotify and iTunes. And please consider a donation to CFRC 101.9 FM during its funding drive running to December 31st via cfrc.ca. From all of us on the CFRC news team, have a great day and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to The Scoop, produced with the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples.